Hi, I'm Tracy, an impassioned lady on a quest to slay working motherhood and find fulfillment. I'm here to help you navigate the beautiful and damned in the life of a working mom. I'm a PA, mom, wife, and lover of fashion who is guiding my fellow working moms to ditch the dread and find fulfillment in the wonder and the war zone that is modern motherhood. I teach you the clinical pearls you need to create a life you love, pearls you can apply today to change your life tomorrow. Skirt around those heavy real life topics? No way. Here you'll get an unfiltered ringside seat. You'll hear about the good, the bad, and the ugly. Parenting, step-parenting, marriage, motherhood, faith, and finances are all topics we will sit down and unpack together. Think of this as your one-stop shop for all the motivation and encouragement you need to help navigate working motherhood. Each week, it's like a mom's night out had a baby with a TED Talk. Then the mom's night out went back to work. Pull up a seat, get settled, and get ready to be inspired and encouraged. This is Fulfilled, the podcast. Today on the Fulfilled Podcast, we have Shonda Morales. Shonda Morales has a master's degree in social work and is a licensed clinical social worker. Uh, Shonda is a women's mindful empowerment coach, a speaker, and a psychotherapist in private practice. She's the founder of the Beehive, which stands for Breathe, Empower, Achieve. Uh, It's a monthly online membership for ambitious women who want to step off the hamster wheel and play bigger in just five minutes a day. Shonda believes that when women empower themselves and they create life balance, they unleash the capacity for incredible accomplishments. If this doesn't sound like someone for the Fulfilled podcast, I don't know who does. (laughs) She's the author of the award-winning book, one of my favorites, Breathe Mama Breathe, Five-Minute Mindfulness for Busy Moms. And Shonda, before we get started, I need to tell you that Breathe Mama Breathe is truly one of my favorite books. I was gifted it at a sprinkle and I have given it away my, my copy because I keep forgetting and I end up like with someone at work who's expecting a baby. I've gifted my copy at least a dozen times. I give it to all the new moms. (laughs) I'm like, everyone should read this because I have these friends that are reading like the book on what to expect and the Uh. book on what you really need (laughs) when you're about to lose your mind, you need this book in six months, you know, like, so I've, been gifting it. And it was just such a blessing to me. Um, so thank you for creating that and putting it out into the world. Yeah, thank you. So your newest book is Breathe, Empower, Achieve, Five-Minute Mindfulness for Women Who Do It All. And it's incredible. I haven't finished it. I am working my way through the Empower Mindful Breaks now. And I have this season that I'm in is just absolutely insane between a pandemic and some like health challenges that we're having in our family. And it has been, it just came into my life at the very perfect time. And I just, you and I had connected online and you said like, Hey, did you check out this new book? And now the things that I take to work are this book, (laughs) headphones and like a bottle of water. Like I'm like, if I need nothing else, like in the middle of a busy day, I'd like look at this and I'm like, which can I do right now? It's really, everyone needs to read this. Um, So uh, Shonda lives in Pennsylvania with her husband and two kids. She loves to play outside, endeavors to practice what she preaches, and is uh, fascinated by what makes people tick. So I'm so excited to introduce you, Shonda, who is a hero and a longtime favorite author of mine, who also happens to live right down the road in the Lehigh Valley. (laughs) So we're practically neighbors, and we had no idea um, before connecting. So thank you. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, my pleasure. Great to be here. Awesome. So we're going to jump right in um, to some questions that we have. I think that this discussion is really important and it will help our listeners with um, prioritizing themselves and fitting mindfulness into their already very busy days. So um, can you please tell us a little bit about your first book, the book that brought us together, so to speak, and the book that truly helped me stay sane and survive the transition from three kids to four and four kids to five. Mm. And at that point I had three under four. And so like, tell me about Breathe Mama Breathe and like where the idea for that came from. Yeah, maybe you should tell us. I mean, you're the one who's living it, right? I'm kind of on the other side of it, but absolutely. So um, the the idea came from the fact that, well, I've been practicing mindfulness and been a mindfulness uh, teacher for a number of years. And Uh, I started practicing meditation and mindfulness when my daughter, who is now 18, was three. And I very quickly, so basically there was our local hospital where I 
I'm not sure if that's where you work. <laughs> One of our local hospitals had an eight-week mindfulness-based stress reduction program. Mm -hmm. And part of the homework for that is to meditate for a half an hour every day. So I am a recovering perfectionist, people pleaser. So I was like, yep, I'm doing my homework every day. And I faithfully did. And, and this is back when my daughter was three. Uh, and within just a few weeks, I started to notice that I was a little bit calmer. I slowed down a little bit, which is not comfortable for me because I like to get things done and check it off my list. And I was noticing I was more efficient, more productive, and I still had energy and I was just more patient. So I was hooked right away. Uh, and I continued to practice meditating a half an hour every day, met a number of years, and uh, went through teacher training, taught at the hospital, brought it into my therapy practice. And fast forward to the time when my daughter's about to turn 10 and I'm pregnant with my son, and I know from experience there's no way with the baby, I will be meditating for a half an hour every day. So I wanted to keep mindfulness in my life in some flexible, practical ways. And so this is how those five-minute mindful breaks came to be. And at the same time, I was working with a lot of stressed out moms feeling a lot of the same things. And so seeing that even just five minutes or even one minute in the middle of our day can really shift things and change things. It's a really a radical uh, way to just when we stop and slow down, we think we don't have that time to do it. So that was kind of how that was that book was born, um, writing and writing blog posts and sharing this information with the women I was working with. Interesting. So I think as a busy mom who is working, like when you say that you did 30 minutes of meditation a day with a three-year-old, I don't even, like that to me is very daunting. Like it seems incredibly overwhelming. I think after reading your book, I've been doing five minute mindfulness here and there, probably for a total of maybe 20 minutes a day, not 30 minutes a day, but it's in tiny digestible chunks. It doesn't feel like this whole like sit down, somehow distract your three-year-old for an entire half an hour and be able to fit this in. It just seems much more manageable to me. Right. Exactly. And that's the intention. And remember, and maybe you can remember back to having one child, <laughs> life was a little bit, you know, you had a lot more control over things. And my daughter was a great sleeper. And I was like, I would get up early, very early, but that was my devoted time. And so, and she was just predictable in that way. So I was lucky in that way. And then I do in Breathe on a Breathe write about my son uh, who was not a great sleeper. They, I, thankfully, he was cute because, you know, um, <laughs> that got him through. But I could not count on that time in the morning with him either. Even when he got older, it would just be like he could just sense if I were awake. Even I would just keep oh. bumping back the time and the time and he just knew it. So, yeah. So I just kind of gave up on that and figured out different times and shortened the time that I was meditating uh, yeah. when he was especially little. Right. Yeah. Just when you, when you can get it in because the day, if there's anything I've learned about parenting, it's that you can make a plan, but don't get too emotionally attached to the plan because right. that's probably not how it's going to go. Exactly. We have to be flexible. Yes. Yes. Not. Um, so I want to give you some really uh, great props on your newest release. So the book, uh, as I said earlier, is called breathe Empower, achieve and I think the information is incredible. It's like every time I read it, I reread the introduction. It's like mining for gold. I have like the whole introduction underlined. I'm like, this is like speaking directly to me. Um, and I, if you're an audiobook listener, which I really, I can get through books a lot faster. I can consume them to and from school, you know, daycare and, and work. And, and I find that I will jump in the audiobook right to the mindfulness one that I just read. So it's like, oh, I read the the coffee break or the you know difficult situation mindfulness break and I read it. And then later in the day I'm at work, I pop in my earbuds and I'm like, oh, I really need to hear like the difficult situation one. And then you're there in my work, in my <laughs> ear, like reminding me what to do. And then I don't think I'll have to do that forever. But when I'm first starting the practices, it's been so, so valuable to me. Um, so I, I just like, I love the book and I think everyone should read it. So one of the most striking things to me is when you talk about work-life balance. Before I started reading your book, I had uh, followed someone who said, work-life balance is a lie. It doesn't exist. There's no such thing as balance. I'm just imagining someone on a tightrope who is just like trying to not fall off to like death at the bottom of like a city, like two city blocks, right. you know, like, like the, the true like tightrope walker. And you describe work-life balance. This is so beautiful. 
as an ongoing equilibrium that requires continual calibration and recalibration. So you teach us that this balance is categorically imperfect and absolutely attainable. And like it had, that is just like completely shifted the paradigm through which I see work and life and how those things fit together. Yeah. Yeah, completely. And and people will talk about that too. Like, you know, do we just morph it together? And sometimes I think, but I also think there's a lot of uh, benefit to defining this is work time and this is lifetime. So yeah, absolutely. And I think it's all about our definition where we we can get really hung up on what we think our definition of work-life balance should be. And then if it's perfectionism or it's, you know, not flexible and fluid and uh, constant recalibration, then, then it's, it is unattainable. So and I think that in hearing you say that in the audiobook and hearing you write that in the book, it gave me permission to know that when you're launching a project at work, you're going to be leaning into work. And when your kid needs hand surgery, you're going to be off of work and there with your kid. And the next week, something else is going to happen where you have three major surgeries. And like that day, your spouse is going to have to have more life and less work, and you're going to have more work and less life. And so, I think it helped me day by day, even I think like, you know, I'm on call and I'm working all night long and I'm not going to like be in a good mood tomorrow and I'm going to need to nap after work. And like, that's okay. It doesn't make me a bad mom. Mm -hmm. It makes me a responsible PA. Like it's like those things, you know, need to happen. So how do you help clients or listeners to kind of change that perspective or um, continually reevaluate that? Like, it's not like every minute you're saying like this, this, this. Oh gosh, no. <laughs> yeah. How do you do it without being neurotic and like, how do yes, you fit so. it into your normal life? Right. So I think it's about the long view um, and the older I get and the longer I've, you know, my kids have been around, I can see like, it's okay. Because when I, when my daughter was a baby, I was very much, like I said, a perfectionist and kind of like, am I doing everything right? And, you know, Am I doing this perfectly? Uh, and just slowly letting go of that because by nature we have to. But to be able to see that it's if we, if we take that long view, we can say this is the season, this is the day or the week or the month or the season when I can get these things done. And I just had, you know, I was just working with a woman before we uh, hopped on the podcast who she has three little guys, two twins and, and another little guy who's like in preschool. And I just to lower your expectations of look what you are doing every single day to keep these little guys alive, <laughs> let alone all these other things. And so to really adjust our expectations, we can be so hard on ourselves and then get frustrated that we have this long list of what we think we can get done. Um, yeah. So the long view is saying it, you know, there will be a time and there really will. And sometimes it's hard to see that when you're in the trenches with little ones that there will be a time where you'll have some breathing room. Yeah, I was listening to um, another podcast. There's like a personal development coach that was saying, you know, you need to be doing these things to thrive. You need to be getting up an hour early. You need to do whatever. And then they they kindly say, oh, I forgot to mention, if a human left your body or joined your family in the last zero to 18 months, this does not apply to you. Right. right? Like these are your goals for thriving. Did you eat? Yes. Did the baby eat? Did everyone survive? And then like they say it again, like, again, the next day, like, did you eat? Uh-huh. Did the baby eat? Did everyone survive? Because I, I am, I am a totally, I love your description of a recovering perfectionist. Cause that is completely me. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, type a, like writes it down just to cross it off, even though I already did it earlier in the day. <laughs> right. Like, I'm just like, Oh, I accomplished it. You know, like yeah. I didn't write it down, but I did it. So I'm crossing it off. And so I left on, I, I thought, Oh, this is like the baby me. Oh, you're having, you, you have three whole months off of work. Oh gosh. Like you're going to like, like, it's like some sort of a vacation. Like I had no idea what motherhood would entail. So it's like, I haven't had three months off since college. Like, this is amazing. Uh I'm going to, you know, reorganize our basement and redecorate (laughs) our bedroom and like, you know, like reorganize the cabinets. Like while this baby is like sleeping 24 hours a day, I honestly have no idea like what I was expecting. And then every time, every time I had a baby, my birth plan got shorter and my expectations got lower for what I was going to accomplish on any given day, which I think is like growth, right? That's gotta be better. (laughs) Right. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. We have. Yeah. It's impossible to know on Toby, and you still don't know. Like, what? What? How? How is it so hard to take a shower or shave my legs when you know the first six months? <laughs> that was like an endeavor. Yeah. You're like, I did it. Like, it's yeah. a miracle. Yeah. Yeah. Guys, if you are looking to spruce up your wardrobe this fall, I know just who can help. Kelly and Melissa at Polished Plaid Style. They've put together an incredible fall fashion challenge. You'll get a list of items to buy, a shopping list with links to items, or a way that you can shop your own closet if you're looking to use the items that you already have. You'll get 31 daily outfit prompts and an outfit calendar, and also access to an incredible Facebook group where you can hang out with me and a bunch of other awesome women who are upping their style this fall. If I offered to choose awesome, classy, dressy, or casual outfits for you each day to boost your confidence, increase your compliments, eliminate you having to choose your own outfit for less than a dollar a day, I know you'd be jumping at that chance. Well, Kelly and Melissa have done just that. Go check out this fall fashion challenge. It's open now and it starts October 12th. And at that point, there'll be people daily posting in the Facebook group, which is really my favorite part of the fashion challenge. So go check this out at polishedplaidstyle.com slash fulfilled podcast. That's polishedplaidstyle.com slash fulfilled podcast. And then you can join me and some of my awesome friends in the Facebook group where you'll get to be a part of the most incredible, supportive, and effortlessly styled community. I'll see you there. So I want to talk about mindfulness specifically. So mindfulness is a main focus of many of your teachings. So I want to dive a little bit deeper into mindfulness. So when I think of mindfulness, I think of like um, like a, like a Buddha, like, you know, someone who's like meditating for a living, like living in a monastery where there are no children, like everything is calm, you know? And then it's totally a dichotomy for like my life where I'm literally like ran in the door five minutes before this. And I'm like, okay, I'm here. I did this. I did, you know, all the people are fed and I'm a very busy I should be less busy working mom of five. So I want to talk about how mindfulness can help you be more assertive, more empowered and a better leader. So like, this is me. Like I want to be all of these things at work, all these things at home. How is mindfulness going to help me achieve those things? Right. So first let me just define quickly what mindfulness is, which is the uh, being aware of what's happening in the present moment with an attitude of kindness. And it's that second part that often gets missed because we know it's being in the moment, but with a non-judgmental attitude as best we can. And so the opposite of being mindful is running on automatic pilot. And we've all had that experience of driving somewhere, you know, that we're used to and we don't even remember, oh my gosh, I passed that road or, or this made this turn. I don't even remember. That's automatic pilot. So The opposite of that is being aware and being mindful. And when we're not mindful, when we're on automatic pilot, in our minds, we're either in the future, we're worrying, we're what-ifing, running through that to-do list, what's next, uh, or in the past, rehashing a recent conversation or a a long-ago memory. So mindfulness is helpful because, number one, when we're in the present moment, we are able to choose where we're placing our attention. We're able to choose our response in situations rather than just reacting out of habit. Um, and we increase our energy and, and, and so we can sustain it longer. So coming back to that, when we can access, when we've been practicing a bit of mindfulness and we can access it more often, we are automatically not running in that fight or flight, fight or flight that our body's reaction to perceived danger. And that is how we get, we exhaust ourselves because of the cortisol, the adrenaline running through our body. Um, so when we be, when we practice more mindfulness, the fight or flight calms down in our body. We have more energy. We have a clearer thought process. We're able to think more clearly. So thinking about those things, I mean, number one, we have more energy. We're thinking more clearly. We, um, we're, we're just calmer. Then we can choose where we're prior, what we're prioritizing because otherwise we're kind of habitually putting out all these fires. Like whatever shows up, boom, I'm attending to it. And I'm not being intentional about where I want to put my time, my attention, what's really important to me. And so this just offers these little pockets of time where we can come back and check in with that and then choose 
where we want to take action, choose where we're placing our priorities and, and going in that way. So, um, so you kind of brought up a whole lot of benefits. I don't know if there's one, one thing you want to start with first. So I work with surgeons for a living. So like, I don't know if you can find a much more assertive group of individuals mm. than people mm-hmm. who perform surgery day in and day out, because we have to be making quick decisions. We have to be assertive about, you know, usually they say, I think this is right. And I'm sort of getting to a point in my career where I've been doing this for a decade and I'm like, okay, like I see your point, but I have had success doing X in the past. And how do you sort of in a, in a calm way, because in the OR, like you always walk, you never run, even though it's an emergency. So like you have to sort of like be calmly dealing with what could quickly become a crisis. So in that moment, how do I sort of I think I get emotional a lot when I'm like, really, I'm really passionate about this. I think this is the right thing to do for this patient. How can I use mindfulness to like take a situation, like calmly assert my opinion about it in a clear way? That's Mm, a tall order. Yeah, no, no, yeah, no, no, but it's, yeah, totally workable. So it's, it's about first, we have to calm our body down, right? So it's, you know, again, when you're, when you're serious about something or your, your heart's racing, you're feeling passionate about it, it matters to you, which is great. But if you're not thinking clearly, we know with fight or flight, um, that from part of our brain, the prefrontal cortex is, is charge of planning, being able to see the big picture, that slows down its function and the amygdala, the emotional parts firing. So you're being driven by fear and the emotions, not so much about the clear thought. So first, we want to calm our bodies, take a few deep breaths, drop our shoulders, unfurl our, our brow, whatever that is. We all have uh, different areas in our body where we hold stress and tension, recognizing, getting familiar with that. So we can say, oh, look at that. My shoulders are up by my ears. Drop those things and take a breath. That then lets us calm down fight or flight. Front part of our brain works a little more clearly. And I'm able to be a little more um, just calm in in my thinking. So I'm not driven by fear. I'm driven by this place of calm in my my, uh, speaking, decision making. And then um, being able to be more mindful with communication. So to say, like you're saying, uh, you know, those I statements or in a very calm way that it's not coming across as aggressive or um, however it might not be taken quite as well. So yeah, anything else with that? Yeah, I mean, I feel like that whole like, it's interesting because I think, I don't think I would have been able to explain it with the actual like this brain anatomy ramps up and this brain anatomy ramps down. But I can feel that when it's happening, right? When like you're like in a conflict with your spouse, you're not thinking about like long-term consequences. You're just like, I am saying feelings. Like I'm just like saying things. Like you don't like think about the long-term. I certainly don't. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and we're not listening either because when we are driven by that, you know, by the fight or flight or our reaction, we are not choosing our response. And I'm also certainly not hearing what you're saying. I'm all ready to give you what I have to say. And so that's, you know, the more we can take a breath, it's almost like maybe sort of biting our tongue in so many ways, not permanently, but just so I can really understand where you're coming from. Um, Yeah. So I feel like my baseline energy level is like significantly higher than the rest of the world. Like from the day that I was born, my parents Uh said I had two modes. I was like fast asleep or a million miles an hour. Like there was Uh no warming up there was no ramping down it was just running till you collapse and I I'm working on it but I still do feel like that is how I'm sort of naturally bent and so I find often I find myself if you're having trouble finding a word or we're having a conversation I am like oh don't worry I can tell you what you're looking for yeah this starts my husband crazy when he hears this episode he's gonna be like yes can you get some help with that because like you're always interrupting so like how can I use mindfulness to hear what you're saying and then just wait a beat before I tell you my response and for my response to be more thoughtful and not I'm thinking about it while you're telling me what you're telling me. Cause I am guilty of that a thousand times a day. <laughs> yeah. 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 And so, I mean, on one hand, it sounds like that's 
your gift. You have this gift and that serves you well in a lot of ways. And then sometimes, you know, it's something you can work on too because it can be a detriment in some ways. But so it's taking a breath. I mean, that sounds so simplistic, but or practicing this mindfulness on a regular basis because um, again, when I fall off in my practice or I'm feeling like I'm more stressed, I am going to be interrupting more. I have not as much patience for you to finish your sentence. I want to like spit it out and tell me what you need. Right now. And I mean, having said that, you're coming from a workplace where that's probably happening an awful lot just by nature of it. So, you know, to, to, honor, to give yourself a little bit of grace about that, too. It's like you're coming from one place, boom, to another culture almost. Um, yeah. And maybe, you know, that's where the commute or something is a helpful, mindful break for you because you're winding down and, you know, I'm coming into my family now and there's a different culture here and I want there to be a different culture. So, um, but no, so life so, is hanging in the balance of the conversation with my spouse over the dinner table, right? Exactly. Yeah. 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 But and when we're feeling time starved and we're feeling on that hamster wheel of not enough time, not enough anything, then it's like, spit it out, spit it out, get it out, you know? Um, and when we can recognize that we are practicing these breaks throughout the day, it slows down that pace again, just the tiniest of notches that we feel like, you know what, there's enough time for, their, for them to finish their sentences. It kind of comes naturally as well. Yes. Yeah. I think a slower pace is something that I am craving and I, I need to be pretty, I think pretty brutal with what I'm cutting out because there's certainly yep. things I'm doing that are not energy giving, that are not life giving, you know, some of those have to be done, but some of them can be outsourced. And some of those, you know, are not things that bring us joy. I think that um, I had done like the Marie Kondo, like, does this bring me joy? Does this bring me joy? <laughs> right. When uh, you have a mindfulness break on energy, does this give me, is it an energy yeah. gain or an energy drain? And I felt like that was like Marie Kondoing your life where you're like, does, yeah. this bring me, does this bring me this? Does this, oh no, I'm going to set it down. You know, I'm going to give it to someone else. So can you talk a little bit about that? I feel like as busy moms, we sometimes feel like we have to do all the things, even the things that we don't want to do. Why are we doing that? And how do we stop <laughs> Yeah. Well, I mean, a couple of things about that. I mean, number one, it's the shoulds, you know, what do, what, do, what are our expectations again of ourselves that we think we should be doing? You know, do I believe I should, whatever, bake the treats for this event for my child or can I go buy something like, you know, letting good enough again, coming back to that and really knowing that a lot of these things don't matter that much. Um, so that part. And then I think really, again, coming to what are my absolute top priorities and making sure they are completely uh, protected as, and then also creating some white space in our calendar whenever possible, little spaces where there's nothing happening and we protect that. And that's so radical. I mean, that's hard for me still too, to just be like, you no, know, kind of slapping my own wrist. Like, nope, nope, nope. I know you get excited about this if you want to say yes, but you, you know, we have to be mindful too of what we're saying no to if we're going to say yes to everything or a lot of the things we're saying no to we're saying no to our energy to maybe our happiness to giving the best of ourselves to the people around us um yeah sure yeah i think that um someone said the other day i was listening to i like listen to a lot of podcasts but um they said, if everything is important, nothing is important mm -hmm. if everything is held in the same esteem if your family, your health, your sanity, your work, your friendships, the cleanliness of your kitchen is all held in the same esteem. None of it is truly important because none of it is becoming enough of a priority that you're willing to let the cleanliness of your kitchen go in order to invest in your true friendships. Like if that's, you know, mm -hmm. like you can't have all of the things at an extremely high level because no one is capable of doing that. Right. And, and if they, if they look like they are from the outside, it's not true. They have help or they're falling apart. And, you know, as a therapist, I think I have the, you know, benefit of seeing that, knowing that, that, you know, we can look at these other women who look like they are completely have it all together. And yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, inside they're like withering or, you know, and, and you know, that's not a judgment. It's just to, to say that again, we can, you know, prioritize what what really matters to each of us and let the other stuff go yeah I think honing in on what's really important to you like 
I love, I love that you have a fashion. Um, it's not, uh, what uh, is it called? Getting dressed. Yeah, it's like, yeah, I can't even think of, actually, I can't even think of what it's called. Like, um, but yeah. I was just reading the other day. Yes. Power clothes. And I have gone on a journey fashion wise. Um, I think everyone has always thought of me as fashionable, but I was really just like making it up. Like I had no idea what I was doing. Um, and then I started doing actual style challenges where I give someone money to tell me what to wear. I'm like, it's the greatest thing. If you've never done <laughs> one, you should do it. And so I follow, her name's Audrey Tom and she has a, a blog. It's called Putting Me Together. She gives you very clear like, try a striped shirt with an olive vest, jeans and leopard print shoes. And I'm like, this is perfect. Like I am not stylish, but I can follow instructions, uh-huh. right? I can follow the instructions. And then it'll be like a formula, like solid top, printed bottom, big earrings. I'm like, yes. Okay. This goes with this, this goes with it. And it's completely changed the way that I get dressed. And everyone's like, you're so stylish. And I'm like, nope. I'm not. And I tell everyone about it. I'm like, I'm not stylish. Like I look good. I feel good today. And it's because someone else is telling me what to do. And it's making me feel confident. And it's making like me like, I'm like, I I wore bright red lipstick today under a mask, you know, like, and it didn't matter because it made me feel good and no one was going to see it, but I knew it was there. And so like, just this, it, it touched me that it was just like this intentionality that like, when you you're not just getting dressed in the midst of this craziness that is everyone's morning, but that you're walking into closet and saying, what is going to make me feel good, feel confident, feel powerful. Exactly. Right. That's all that matters. Yeah. How we feel because yeah, that can help us be more assertive. So uh, this wasn't what in our plan, but I want to talk to you about therapy because I feel like, Everyone in the world should be going to therapy. Uh-huh. Everyone in the world should be going to therapy. Maybe not every week, maybe during certain seasons. And I didn't go to therapy until this year. And looking back, I have had intermittently postpartum anxiety, like peripartum depression. And I could I could see it in friends of mine. I couldn't see, you know. I couldn't see the forest for the trees in the midst of the season that I was in as it was happening to me, but I really want to be intentional about breaking the stigma that like having a therapist does not make you crazy. And if it does, we're all a little crazy anyway, so it's okay. And you should still go. And so as a therapist, I want to talk to you about like, why should everyone be in, do you think everyone should be in therapy and why? (laughs) (laughs) well gosh I don't know I mean I mean I think it's it wouldn't hurt anyone I don't know if anybody needs to everybody needs to be in therapy but for sure it's about it can be about helping us uh when we're dealing with anxiety depression or so forth but it can also help us grow and again it's it's all uh built around mindfulness as well and I use mindfulness in my practice that the more self-aware we are, the more we can be intentional in how we interact with people and live our lives and the choices we make. And, you know, it's, it's super, super powerful. Otherwise we're unconsciously sort of driven by our habits, our past, and we just find ourselves in situations like, how did I get here? Which can be so happen. So yeah, it's, um, there, there can be a stigma around it, but I think it's just a pretty simple process of, Finding a relationship with someone that you trust and feel comfortable with, and sometimes that takes, you know, a few tries, but that this should be somebody who you just feel like you can unload on, and not just that, but then how do I grow? How do I make changes? Uh, so, yeah, and I can totally relate to uh, being in that season after my son was born, and you know, it was my second child, and I was ten years older, and I thought I kind of knew, but I found myself really in a place in my bed the one morning where I was just like oh my gosh I could just disappear right now and I it, was, it felt very tempting it was very scary for me because I'd never had any sort of suicidal thought at all and I didn't have a plan but it was more like make the world disappear is too much for me now and um so and even in that place as a therapist I still didn't go okay you have some postpartum depression 
Um, but my, my gynecologist, who I really trust, my midwife, uh, who, uh, who delivered my daughter, and I write about her in the second book, actually, uh, she was kind of like, hmm, this sounds like something's going on. This is not you. You know, this is not who you are. So that was really helpful because it's really hard. So we do need to look out for each other, um, especially in those times, to say, hey, I'm a little concerned. This is what I'm seeing. And I think that I was in that season, I would say to my friends or my spouse, like, I don't know that I said, like, I'm depressed. I think I said, I'm really struggling. I feel like I don't have the energy I want. And I have a good support system of parents who love me, friends who know me well, and a spouse who is, when he has two good legs, very involved. So... Uh, And I was saying, I don't think I had the words to say, I have postpartum anxiety. I have postpartum depression. I need medication or therapy. I just said, I just don't know what to do to make myself better. And they would say like, how can I help? And I was like, I don't know. Like, I don't know how you can help. I don't know how I can help me. Like, I feel like I've used all the tools that I have and I'm trying to like bootstrap my way through PA school. Like, I'm just going to figure this out. And like, I was just hoping one day I would wake up better. Like, like, like without mindfulness, without therapy, without identifying, naming or changing anything that it was just going to be like, Oh, I had a cold and my immune system made it go away. And like your immune system doesn't make postpartum depression better. Right, exactly. Right, right absolutely. Exactly. That's it was right. a silly expectation as a medical provider. Like, but again, you know, we can be a therapist and be in that situation and not recognize it. So I was really intrigued. I feel like it, this is very like this. Whatever you believe, the spirit or the universe, like put your book in my lap. Really, right before I took it on vacation, and then we had a wonderful trip that included some injuries that weren't obviously planned. And so it was sort of, you know, right what I needed in this season where I needed it. And there's a really powerful part where you talk about mindful communication in family doctors leading to less burnout. And I had just been sharing about burnout and sort of starting to talk to my followers about how burnout is super prevalent. And I haven't actually seen data that moms get burned out in medicine more than anyone else, but I think moms feel burned out at home and they feel burned out at work. So like, I can't imagine that it's not synergistic, that it's more more burnout because you feel overwhelmed at work and overwhelmed at home. So it was interesting to me. It seems like proof in what you're saying. You're like, this is a proven concept that mindfulness has actually changed with data, the degree of burnout that family physicians is having and that that we can extrapolate to other moms, other providers, other women in medicine. Right. And so I wanted to talk about a little bit about the difference between mindfulness, as you described it earlier, and meditation. So I I didn't realize before I read this book that there even was a difference. I just thought like you were being mindful while you meditated. And if you're meditating, you're being mindful. I didn't, I think I thought they were the same. Right, right. It's very common, very common. So mindfulness, like I had said, is being aware of what's happening in the present moment with kindness. And meditation is carving out time in our day to practice the skill of mindfulness. And so I can sit down and meditate and use a point of focus, my breath as a point of focus. So I might notice there's the inhale, there's the exhale, it comes naturally. Um, And then notice very quickly how my attention drifts off because that's what our minds do. Our, Our attention drifts off all the time. And each time I notice I've drifted off, I bring my attention right back to that point of focus and I begin again, noticing the rising and falling in my belly, the inhale, the exhale. And as I do this, I am training this mindfulness muscle of attention. It's a practice. Um, it's a skill that needs to be built, much like if I'm learning to play piano or swim. I can't just read about it, do it one time, and be expect to be skilled at it. I need to practice it on a daily basis. And that's where that five-minute meditation comes in every day. I'm a huge proponent of that because that lays the foundation for your day if you can do it in the morning. And it also just becomes... Uh, muscle memory in some ways. And so it becomes more familiar. You're able to access that calm place, that awareness, that sense of awareness. um, And it's just more familiar. So the biggest misconception with meditation is that I, um, you know, I can't shut my mind off. My mind is so busy. I've tried it. But meditation is not 
shutting our thoughts off. It's familiarizing ourselves with our busy minds and our body sensations and our emotions. And so again, that's where the power lies because then when we have that awareness, then I get to choose what to do with it. I'm not just being unconsciously uh, sort of tossed around by my emotions or thoughts. Which is interesting because I, I think before I read this book, I thought of mindfulness and meditation as a very passive thing. And you describe it as, I almost hear you saying, mindfulness makes you proactive as you go through your day rather than reactive. Exactly. And it just sort of changed like, it's like mindfulness which gives you an edge at work, mindfulness, which makes you patient with your kids, like mindfulness that makes you, you know, stay ahead of what's happening in your day, as opposed to just like, this is happening sort of in the exception of all of these things I have to do. Um, It's very powerful. I've never heard of mindfulness as a skill that, propagates your other skills and abilities. Right. But it makes sense, right? And that's the the breathe and power achieve. That's where those pieces come in, which is breathe is about calming ourselves, having that awareness. Because again, if we're not calm, you know, we are reacting out of fear or anxiety or, or, you know, the hamster wheel. Then the empowerment piece, we have this space of, okay, how do I want to be assertive? You know, how do I build my confidence? Where are my strengths and where, where can I grow? And then the achieve piece is all about, you know, well, what do I want? Like, what am I going towards? And so dreaming big, really getting out of our own way so we can, you know, really make it awesome, play bigger in our lives more than we could ever imagine. And then how do I break that down into the tiniest steps? And it's about action. Action, you know, confidence is all about taking small action steps and building upon that courage. And it all kind of works together. And then you circle back around. So you know, pulling from whatever you need. And I talk about um, in the Beehive, my monthly online membership, we have these stages kind of we go through together, which is, you know, they build upon each other, the breathe and the empower and achieve. And then this upward spiral, which is just this continued growth of what do I pull from? What do I need now in this season of my life or today? Do I need a breathe break? Do I need an empower break? Do I need an achieve break? And kind of see what I need and use that. Yeah. yeah, it's so it's so powerful. And I feel like often we like, I'm like, okay, I'm going to read this book or an interview for this podcast. And like, and, and I, here I am thinking like, oh, this is going to help my listeners so much, right? Like, this is like, oh, I'm like helping them from a position of sort of cocky, like, uh, so great. Uh-huh. And then you read it and you're like, oh, okay. Like, I'm going to do these things. And again, like very perfect timing, where I've been having some health issues. And one of the things I'm struggling with is a profound tachycardia, which my body perceives as anxiety, Mm. right? Like your body, your heart is racing. It's not, I'm not panicked. I'm eating a sandwich. Like I'm like not doing something that's and I have found that number one, some of the body check-in breathe mindfulness breaks I honestly think helped me to identify that what we were doing medication wise was not working. Mm. Like I think before I was just sort of, it's been happening for months. I just sort of was used to it. I was masking it. I was, the body is very adaptive. I was figuring it out. And so I was sitting there like I was running a marathon sitting still, which is a very unsettling feeling. And I was doing these mindfulness things and I do think they were helping mentally, but also I realized that like, they were not enough. They weren't enough to control my heart rate from going from 170 to 80 where I uh, needed to be. Yeah. And so I have, I was talking to someone about it today and I said, I don't know what's different now, but I'm more in tune with my body than ever. And I knew what we were doing wasn't working. And then I started confirming it with checking my pulse. And so it has truly, I felt like I was going a thousand miles a minute. I couldn't control it. I couldn't stop it. And now I know when it's happening, I can take my heart rate down 10, 20 beats a minute. I can't take it from 170 to 90 because it's mm-hmm. just, not, I'm not that good or it's right, not right. a logic thing that won't let it. It's like a runaway train. And so it has been so, it's a, it, the mind is such a powerful tool. And I, I was using a tiny fraction of it. I was like, wasting the opportunity to identify this. Right. Well, and, and the mind and the body together, right? The holistic piece, because we tend to walk around like we're 
heads without bodies attached unless they're causing us trouble. So to be more in our bodies, to be more embodied is really helpful. And also, yeah, I mean, it, it, whether it's anxiety or tachycardia, I mean, it, because again, you're saying the symptoms are a lot the same. What we do with anything that's phys- physiologically unpleasant is we resist, we tighten up, we, and then we get in our heads about what is this? Oh my gosh. And then we worry. And then we, it's just a cycle. So the more we can say, ah, look what's here. And this is what mindfulness helps with that acceptance piece, which is I can be curious about what's here. I may not like it. It may be super unpleasant, but really it's a bunch, it's a bunch of sensations like childbirth, you know, they're super intense, unpleasant, let's say. And, uh, you know, and, but we can tighten up around it or we can relax around it. And that's not easy, but it's a practice. And you know, we can learn to do that. And then it really takes that power of the anxiety or, you know, all these unpleasant sensations or emotions for that matter away because emotions, we feel them in our body as body sensations anyway. So, yeah. Interesting. So I have had a C-section with my five-year-old and then my three and one-year-olds were both born with the assistance of hypno babies, which is like exactly what you're talking Uh about, which my husband was sort of then and still rolling his eyes about this like crunchy granola like Uh voodoo like you're gonna hypnotize yourself in birth like why don't you just get an epidural and it was so profound I was on an actual Pitocin drip and I could stop my contractions by turning off the light switch which if you've ever done hypno babies you would understand and my husband was like stop doing that we're never gonna have a baby (laughs) right right but, but he's also like, I don't know how you're doing that. Like, this is still a little bit too, like, woo-woo yeah, for him. Yeah, yeah, So it's funny to hear you say that because I had a day last week where I just felt like my heart was a freight train and I was doing the hypnobabies thing. I was uh-huh. like, well, dim the light switch. Like, I can't do anything else in this moment Exactly. to try to control this. And it it is. Like, once you learn the skill of controlling your mind of doing this thing – you can apply it to the moment when you're about to lose your crap with your kid, just like when you push them out into the world, right? Like, like these yep, things yep. are transferable. Yeah. And I would just say, you know, it's because, because the, the words matter, um, control, I'm not quite a fan of that word, but it's more about, you know, uh, working with or sort of like coping with or, you know, adapting to what's happening because um, we really can't control the thoughts that show up or we can't control these body sensations. We can you know, learn to allow and then relax around and then take the edge off or the intensity or, you know, that kind of thing. So I think that's important too, to have that expectation, to not have that expectation. Um, yeah. And with stressful situations with our kids, it's the same thing. I hear, I hear my little puppy barking right now. <laughs> um, uh, that, you know, when, when we're feeling this unpleasantness of stress or this intense they're having a meltdown or we're having a meltdown, um, you know, getting control, you're, like you're saying control, I guess, you know, I would use that word and that's control over ourselves in terms sort of, of bringing in. Yes, yeah. Not- yeah. So it's like, Oh, look what's here and control over that. I am now able to choose my response rather than just reacting. So mm-hmm. to breathe, to relax my body enough that I can think clearly stepping away, whatever we need to do. Yeah. Yes. yes to get control. Yeah. It doesn't, doesn't need to be addressed this minute, you know, unless it's a safety issue, yeah. like it's, you know, just give them a second, give yourself a second before you address it. Right. Hey, it's Tracy. Do you ever feel stuck, stagnant, overwhelmed, and overworked? I've been there and honestly, I am still there many days. I wanted to take a second to remind you that you have unique talents to do incredible things that your big dreams can change your world and the world. But really, honestly, only if you're willing to first define what your big dreams are. Are you looking to create some direction in your dreaming? Do you want to create clarity and figure out where the heck your life is headed? I got you. I created an incredible guide to design your dream destination. It's four steps to go from feeling frazzled and overwhelmed to feeling fulfilled and joyful for this exact purpose. I will walk you through the four simple steps to go from dreaming those big dreams to living them out. This podcast, the one you're listening to, is a big dream of mine and it's actually happening. Trust me, the process in this guide works. 
The best thing, the guide is completely free. I'm giving it away to anyone who asks. Simply send me an email at fulfilledpodcast at gmail.com with the subject line, I'm ready. If you are ready to stop feeling stuck and start taking big steps towards the life of your dreams. I can't wait to hear from you. So I want to talk about, you talk about how meditation and performing like a mindfulness practice actually changes the pathophys of a brain, which like I do urology, not neurology, but I still am like, this is so cool that it can change both the shape and the function of your brain. So tell us more about that. That's incredible. That is amazing. So there was a study done a while back uh, where the research participants were placed in MRI or fMRI, functional MRI machines, where it lights up the parts of the brain and um, and it also, so it showed the activity and also that, you know, again, with long-term meditation after, let's just start here, which is eight weeks of daily meditation, there is a larger gray mass in the brain. That's that part again of the, the prefrontal cortex, the, the memory, the being able to think clearly and process information, see the long view. Uh, and in long-term meditators, the um, amygdala is actually smaller, which is crazy, <laughs> but they're not reacting as much and so you think about you're not using it as much and so you're just a little bit more even which again doesn't mean you're a monk you know and not reacting to anything but you just don't get as riled up you're more even and so yeah some really uh real changes so we do like it is literally exercise for our brains um meditation interesting it is so the human body is an amazing wonder like the fact that by what you think yep you can physically change your brain. Yeah. And the telomeres, I think that's a whole another interesting piece. Mm. The, the ends of our chromosomes that are like little caps, almost like the plastic coating of a shoelace kind of thing. And mm. when they wear out, we age and eventually we die. We get sick, we die. And so in long-term meditators, the telomeres stay intact longer. So they're living healthier, longer lives with meditation. And that's pretty amazing. Down to the cellular level, level is pretty amazing. It's so incredible. Number one, that it happens. And number two, that we live in a time where we can prove that it's happening. Yeah. Like that we even know what a telomere. I mean, it's like, it's, it's such a wonder of science. Like I'm a pretty geeky person. So that when people say things like that, I'm like, no, it's like, this is just so cool. Like, it's so cool. So I want to kind of circle back. This podcast is going to give busy working moms specific tools they can use today tomorrow, this week to implement mindfulness or to change their lives. So can you tell us a quick overview of if you're like, I'm on board, like I want to change my brain. I want to have, you know, healthier skin and like better telomeres and all of this. Can you tell us when, where, what the very basic steps of how to get started with a five minute mindfulness practice for someone who's I've never done it or I've tried it before and it didn't work for me. Where does this person start from square one? Right. So I would say get started with five minutes of meditation every day and use a guided meditation to get started. So whether that's an app, uh, a guided meditation you download, if people want to sign up on my email list, then I send a a free five-minute guided meditation and a guided coffee mindful break, which everybody loves. (laughs) But um, to to do that on a daily basis and just get in the habit, uh, bookend it between... Stick it between two already established habits because you're bookending it and it just becomes part of your day. So um, that's really helpful. And if five minutes is too overwhelming, then one minute. It's more important that you establish a daily habit than you kind of lengthen that time. That can happen over time. Uh, And then I say add on. So do that for a week or two and then add on one mindful break. So, you know, you can read my book and there's, there are, um, I believe 60 mindful breaks in the first. And everyone is excellent. They're so good. (laughs) Well, thank you. And you can get overwhelmed with them though. So it's like pick one to start and incorporate that into your day every day for two weeks. And then, you know, you stack on another one and then so it's basically it becomes this ongoing, uh, you know, your life starts to be sprinkled with these mindful breaks before you know it. Yeah, I have found the ones that it's, I have found the ones that I am using right from the get go, the coffee mindfulness break, which is awesome. Um, I do one in the morning. So my 
morning routine is like, I get up, I drink water, I come to my office, I do a gratitude practice, I plan the day. And then before I start working, I do the mindfulness. So I do like the gratitude practice and the daily plan I've always been doing. And then I do mindfulness, then I work for a little while. And then my three-year-old gets up and we work out together Uh with me. So, you know, like, it's like this very set thing. I try to not be very strict with it. First, I pick up this book and write down. First, I pick up this book and write down. And then I physically have this book. And if I'm struggling, like, which one to do, I look and I find one that, like, fits how I'm feeling. And then I will go to the audio book and, like, have you, I don't really know if it's, you're, you're, like, describing it, but I, like, can pause and, like, think about what you're saying. And so, I don't know that I will need to do that forever, but it's been very helpful for me in this season. Right. So there's one other thing I would love to talk about before we kind of wrap up for the day. I've had lately at work, we have a lot of changes happening. Our network continues to grow. Our practice continues to try to sort of keep up with this ever-growing network, the demands of our patients and hospitals here, there, and everywhere. And it seems like not unlike with the COVID pandemic, sort of the grounds are shifting underneath you as you're trying to find your footing. You know, each day feels like one of those things trying to, you know, like mm-hmm. a mechanical bull. The, the mindfulness practice that I had found that was the very beautifully written was um, like the difficult moments one where you describe this fable about the arrows. Can you talk about that a little bit? Sure. Yeah. So it's basically when something unpleasant happens to us or, you know, uncertainty, whatever, something, a difficult emotion or situation, um, it's already hard. And then what we do, what we know, what research shows is that after 90 seconds, if we just sit with an emotion and allow it, it dissipates, (laughs) but we add so much to it. So it's sort of like, how can this be happening? What's wrong with me? How do I get out of this? Why, 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 why me? You know, we add all this stuff to it which keeps us tense, it keeps us cycling around in this place. And those, that's the first arrow. The first arrow is the situation. The second and third and fourth and fifth arrows are all of these things we add to it. So just to know that, you know, again, this is a practice. We won't always get it right, but it's can I recognize without judgment. So this is another thing that happens commonly when we start to notice. We'll be like, what's wrong with you? Why are you so, why are you so judgmental with yourself? What, you know, and then we judge the judging when it's like, oh my gosh, like just be like, oh, there I was, I was judging. And then I always say, but, you know, place our hands on our heart, kind of remind ourselves to be compassionate, treat ourselves with a little bit of kindness, like we do to everybody else. Uh, but it's hard to do to ourselves. And so it's really about recognizing when we're doing it and just pulling ourselves out of it. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think that super powerful to me is the imagery of you talking about to breathe and empower yourself to achieve, to breathe and empower yourself to achieve as an upward spiral. Yeah. I don't know if everyone, everyone knows what a downward spiral is, <laughs> but like no one knows how to get out of a downward spiral and into, I mean, that sounds much better. Like I'd much yes. rather be in a positive upward spiral than a downward spiral. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned a little bit about um, like the monthly, uh, like how to get in touch with you. So like, how can listeners find you? So my, uh, my website is shondamorales.net and there you can check out everything. I'm also on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, uh, and you can find out more about the beehive, which is my monthly online membership. And that is the, it's currently closed, but I'm not sure when this is airing. I am reopening the doors to members twice a year, and that happens again in October. So uh, you can get your name on the wait list and uh, sign up for my email list. Like I mentioned, you get those, the guided meditation, the coffee mindful break, a mindful log to track your progress. And also I have a uh, number one empowerment hacks of empowered women uh, guide that you get as well. So a lot of goodies. It is so great. And I like read, like, I was like, not even through the introduction. And I was like, signing up to be on the wait list for the for the monthly stream. I was like, I need this in my life. Like, I need reminders of mindfulness. And you know, if you're having uh, trouble finding uh, Shonda on Instagram, I pretty much tag her every morning when I'm doing my mindfulness (laughs) meditation. And I like, I really feel like I just want to like shout this from the rooftops, because I feel like 
in the midst of what has been a very turbulent week, two weeks in my life. I read this just in time to give me, it feels like the only thing that's keeping me afloat is like just the ability to do these mindfulness breaks. You know, like we have a surgery coming up, we have, you know, some challenges with school and all of these things. And to just be able to say like, oh, my heart is racing, like to do the hand on the chest. Like there's so much that you've highlighted in here. And like what we've touched on today in the podcast is a fraction of what is in the introduction of this book. There is so much here. And it's, it. mine is already, I started reading it two weeks ago. My copy is already like dog-eared and worn. I'm taking it everywhere with me. It's, this is like my Bible. And, and I just got out of a girl's gathering tonight and I was like, I'm going to interview Shonda because this is the best day ever. And... (laughs) After I get done with her, I'm going to order three more of these and we're going to all read them and everyone's life is going to be better. Oh, I'm so glad you found it helpful. It's great. Makes me Absolutely. happy to hear. Yeah. yeah. So no, you are definitely changing my world and the world by putting this out there. So thank you so much for being here. I really, really appreciate it. It's been my pleasure. Until next time, keep on slaying your own fire breathing dragons. Thank you so much for hitting play on another episode of Fulfilled, the podcast. I have a favor to ask. If you like what you heard today, please tell your friends. Take a screenshot and share it on social. You can tag me on Instagram at Mrs. Tracy Bingaman, and you can tag the podcast at Fulfilled Podcast. And please consider leaving a review. I'd love to hear what you think, and your reviews can help other moms find me so they can grow alongside you. Oh, I almost forgot. Don't forget to subscribe so you get next week's episode automatically in your podcast queue. Instant inspiration and all the mom jokes? Yes, please. We'll see you next week on Fulfilled the Podcast.